make the world today You're so good to me, I know, but I can't change Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath Innocent and sweet Yesterday I cried You must have been relieved to see the softer side Understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. I'm a little bit of everything. I'll roll into one. I'm a bitch. I'm a Welcome back, party people. This is your host, Anna Rosen, Blind Love Radio, coming at ya. So excited you're here. Today we have a returning guest, and I have been obsessed with the whole returning guest situation. Um, I love it. It's so cool to look back on our first episode and then see all the growth through whether it's their practice or just their personal evolution. I am obsessed and I love it. So today we have returning Avery Fawcett. You can go back to their episode. It was way back in the beginning of the podcast, Logic as a Gateway to Intuition with Avery. And that was super fun. We talked a lot about logic, (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) Um, but really more of like a matter of fact, like very organized, very um, thoughtful. And I feel like and there was so much like magic within that episode, but to see the intuition that has poured forth from Avery now is just so cool and it brings such a different depth to their offerings and their tarot practice and it's so cool to see them blossom as a teacher and to see what they're building in their personal life as well as their professional life and to see it all come together is so cool so everybody needs to go support this magical human Avery Fawcett queer magical on Instagram is their handle so everybody follow and definitely check out this swords tarot class that they are 
giving her free. My dog just dropped his bone because that's the only way I can get him to kind of be quiet. But greetings from Al Pacici. That's Al Pacino. <laughs> um, we call him Pacici or Chichi or Cheech for short because who actually calls their dog by their real name? Side tangent. Everybody go check out Avery's work. Join this tarot class. Like I said, it's for free. I feel like everybody needs a little bit of deconditioning on the swords. Is that the right word? Um, unconditioning? <laughs> Just like we've been taught, I think, to fear them subconsciously. And I think most of us do. Um, so I think reframing them in a different light is so helpful. And... I love this conversation. I love how we talk about taking your tarot practice. The idea comes to me like, not the idea, but the parallel, like doing yoga and then you're taking your practice off the mat. It feels very similar, like taking your, did I just say I'm confusing myself? No, I'm correct. I got it here. Taking your tarot practice off the mat. I think it makes sense, um, but into your life and kind of out of your deck. Oh, why don't we say that? Taking your tarot practice out of the deck and into your life. Yes. Um, yeah, I have a little bit of pregnancy brain. And then also I feel like winded just by talking. I think getting over COVID, it really, really set me back. Um, if anybody is going through getting sick with COVID, Thoughts and prayers, y'all. Shit is intense. Everybody stay safe. Wear your best mask that you can. And just try and do everything you can. I mean, it's hard to not make yourself neurotic at the same time. If that is you, I deeply feel for you and understand um, I was trying so hard not to get COVID, especially being pregnant. I was so scared of what was going to happen. Um, but luckily everything seems fine, which is great. It was just a really bad cold for a while. It was kind of what it felt like. Anywho, back to Avery. I want you guys to enjoy this episode. I hope you love it. Definitely check out their offerings, support them. They are amazing. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> enjoyed? <laughs> I can't talk today, guys. It's Merc Retrograde, okay? Um, but I definitely picked an amazing 90s song for this episode. It really fit the vibe of bitch by meredith brooks because it takes me back all the way back to like first grade which feels semi-inappropriate for a first grader to be listening to a song called bitch but it is what it is pacino has told me that the time is ready to be done so i bid you adieu i bid you farewell Enjoy this episode. <laughs> I love you. Love you all. Goodbye.
Okay, we're recording. So go ahead and introduce your lovely self to everyone again, returning guest. And awesome. Us, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Avery, Avery Fawcett. Um, and yeah, I was um, on this podcast a few years ago. It's been a minute. Um, so my, uh, my introduction has changed quite a lot because I actually left my full-time job, uh, last March and started a spiritual business. So, um, what I do is that I help folks who are passionate about liberation and justice to find themselves and their role in an emerging future. And I use a lot of different tools for that tarot astrology writing other spiritual tools um but i'm just really passionate about bringing together the intersection of um that desire to to create like a beautiful radical future vision and then the kind of self-work that we need to do um to be able to to see ourselves more clearly and um to see what that future we want to co-create looks like. Um, so it's, you know, little liminal, a little fluid. I'm like leaning into my watery self. <laughs> I, um, I live out on the West coast now, um, in, uh, unseated stolen lands of a number of different, um, nations that's currently known as Olympia, Washington. And, um, I have a whole long list of different identities, but I um, am kind of moving away from introducing myself with with those. Um, but it may be just relevant that I'm non-binary, queer, neurodivergent, disabled, all of that sort of plays into my work. Wow, I didn't know that you're doing this full time. That's so cool. Yes, surprise. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. It, what was the transition like and how's the first year been? Oh my God. Um, it was a lot, you know, I think it was a real initiation into living out a lot of the things I had been sort of learning about and absorbing in my tarot work and my astrology work and my sort of general like spiritual work, um, that I had, grown more of an understanding over time and certainly did like some level of um, internal work, but leaving a career that was very successful, to be honest, and I think a lot of people are having this experience um, during the, the global panini, as it were, where, um, you know, we're kind of waking up to what we were meant to do and, and redefining success and what that looks like. Um, but, you know, I went from having a very successful decade-long career in nonprofits. Um, I was a senior leader in an organization. I've been at for seven years. Um, you know, had a, a, a lot of privilege in terms of just being in a job that supported me um, both financially and, you know, having a pretty decent work culture. But I um, really sort of realized um, with the way that the pandemic, I think, helped a lot of us to really feel 
some of these things that I believed for a long time, like liminality, like uncertainty, the, the, the idea that we can't control the future became very present and very real um, with the pandemic. And, you know, there was this feeling, I think, for me of literally, like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know, you know, how long life as we know it, quote unquote, will continue. And if that's true, then like, why am I doing work that I like, okay, but doesn't feel um, like I'm really doing what I was called to do. And I, and that calling piece, part of it was that in October, September, October of 2020, um, I had these psychic abilities that came up in me. Um, I had been developing my intuition for a while, but like I had never had like straight up channeling experiences. And that sort of suddenly came through and was like, whoa, like what? Um, oh my God, tell me more. A- yeah, yeah. So it was the full moon in Pisces. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> I am for reference for folks listening a Pisces sun, Pisces midheaven, Pisces mercury. Um, and, and interestingly, my kind of Pisces powers is something that I denied for a long time. And I think a lot of that was capitalism. I think a lot of that was um, the culture of like constant growth and results and, and trying to meet targets. Um my, my title at my job was um, Senior Director of Technology Strategy. So it was all about strategic planning. It was all about, um, like, deciding what's next. And um, not that there's anything wrong with strategy necessarily, but I think I sort of woke up to the, to the idea, to that liminal Pisces space of, like, where Pisces is always rebirthing and going through these processes of, like, death and birth, death and birth, like, I really felt into this like um, doula energy that had, that was really not part of my, my job and it wasn't really part of my life outside my job. Um, And so it's sort of a meandering with um, telling the story, but when I had these um, abilities come in and I think sometimes a lot of us, like we hear the word psychic and we think, something very specific like we think of something maybe um like really clear pictures or, or sounds or voices and for some folks that is absolutely true um but for me intuition had always been like a knowing an inner knowing that when i trusted it was you know very aligned and very like you know if i was in in the space of trusting my intuition things I don't want to say worked well, because I think that even the idea of good or bad or well or not well is, is kind of binary. Um, but I could just, I could feel that power, but I had never like had the experience of channeling and um, the specific things. So I did start getting images and I started getting words. Um, and that was sort of what the, the kind of awakening was, if you want to call it that. Um, it, it wasn't that, you know, Suddenly, I was seeing things all the time or hearing things all the time uh, for me personally. But it was that I would get in the space at certain times, like that full moon, where it would just, it would start to flow. And it might be like I was writing something down, and then I'd just be writing, and it was almost like automatic writing. Um, So sometimes it would come through in that way. But also, I would get these images and words and um, 
this will actually probably play in a little bit as I start to talk about my work. But um, one of the things I channeled, um, oh, a couple of very clear, specific things I channeled at that time that I've sort of used as anchors going forward. Um, one was that I am a combination of magician and high priestess energy. And I think if I had heard that a year ago, like if somebody had just said that to me, I would have been like, no, like that sounds too cool. I am not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am not that powerful. Like I breathe this and magician. Are you kidding me? Um, and for folks who, who don't know the tarot um, or don't know the tarot super well, you know, um, high, uh, magician and high priestess are cards one, one and two respectively. And they, sometimes they're described, sometimes people will describe them as like, this is masculine energy, this is feminine. I don't really subscribe to that, but I do think there is something in the kind of, um, maybe, maybe you think of it as lunar solar, um, but the magician is this energy of um, channeling something down and then um, you need to get it out. Whether that, that sharing publicly or whether that's like writing in your journal or whatever, but like something comes through and it needs to come out of you. So that's like the, the channeled writing feels that way to me. And then the high priestess is kind of a down and in energy where it's, you know, it's going deep within yourself. It's trusting that the answers can be there without language. It, it feels like a lunar energy to me. Well, I think it is lunar energy um, it's associated with the moon, um, but it feels very like, I'm going down into myself and I may not get things in words. I may not get things logically. So that inner knowing, I think for me is very associated with the high priestess. And I just like in that moment, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. This makes so much like not sense in the sense of logical, but makes so much heart sense that I would be a combination of these things. Um, because I had been going through all these struggles around like showing up and sharing and stepping up and stepping back and like what that just say moving up and moving back. I'm trying to, to shift that language for um, for uh, accessibility reasons. But um, you know, I've go, been going through all these struggles and all this tension around like how I show up, and it just felt like this very clear like combination of going down and in an intuition and being open to receiving things um, and open to change and open to fluidity, but then also like trusting myself that sometimes I can like pull something down and, and put it out there. And that that is what I was meant to do. And so getting that like imagery and that those words, like this is what you are. Um, this is who you are. It felt more resonant than uh, for me than say the term, which, um, and sometimes I will like shorthand, but I don't really identify as a witch anymore because I, like that high priestess magician thing. I'm like, no, that, that is what I am. Um, so yeah, so this is a long winded way of saying, you know, that all started to come in and, and just things changed. And very quickly within a month, it was like, no, you need to be doing a different kind of work in the world. Like you need to be using this Piscean doula energy, stewarding a future in um like working with people you know we're all co-creating each next moment together and i got this sense that my role is to create supportive space for people to um you know i've always done like writing and speaking where people will be like oh wow i had this insight right from what you said um and i'm thinking more and more about like the way that a doula um is an energy of both like holding and then also reflecting and helping you see yourself and then being there for you 
you know, in the in a birth context, right? The doula doesn't birth the baby. <laughs> the, the parent births the baby. But the doula is this very supportive energy that, you know, helps that process to happen. Um, and so I was like, this is not my current job. <laughs> this is not what I'm doing right now. Um, but yeah, I started like channeling all these ideas about what my job would be like and, and what I should do. And so I made the decision to quit. I left in March. Um, and then I fell into a period of just like barely moving and depression and terrible fatigue because, you know, life doesn't work the way you want it to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I think processing, processing COVID, processing um, burnout from all those years, because what I learned through the process um, is that once I made the decision to leave, and I also had a pretty big like mental health um, near breakdown, you know, around the time that those abilities started coming in and the, the psychic stuff started coming in, because I think it was like my body was like, no. You know, you, you're like at the brink of burnout. And I think a lot of people relate to this. I know that burnout has been, you know, really a, a problem in the last couple of years. And it's like once, especially once I did like step away or even just make the decision to leave, it was suddenly like, we have to get out of here. And this is way worse than we thought. And there are all these things that are not aligning with your energy. Um, there are all these things, you know, realizing just how neurodivergent I am. and how I have a couple different neurodivergencies and um, you know, that just like my brain works in a certain way that I had created all these coping mechanisms to support within that work context. Um, but I had to eventually admit that the problem wasn't me. The problem was the structures and the framework that I was operating in. And that was really freeing. But at the same time, it was like, Oh, my body needs process that out and I just had no idea how much was there um and so so yeah so I went through that but um the last couple months have been so great um you know nothing has like externally happened that's really exciting in my business well maybe a few things but like generally speaking you know I have a, I have a small patreon and um you know I'm, I'm still sitting here with with near zero income but like my attitude towards that has shifted so much I had another sort of breakthrough moment um and part of it was getting out of I, I was able to make a breakthrough physically in my chronic fatigue um symptoms and suddenly had energy for the first time in 20 years um but also uh the eclipses in November and December um just like kick-started a different energy so that even though nothing had changed materially my attitude towards my work is completely different. My attitude is, is no longer, you know, oh my God, comparing myself to all the other businesses on Instagram or, you know, feeling. Um, it's so funny. I listened to, to our last conversation last night and I, it was hilarious listening to myself um, because I, you know, I could feel in myself this kind of like um, different energy but also I mentioned in the last time I was like oh yeah I'm getting into tarot and astrology and it's great because I don't have to worry about personal brand or business and it's just fun <laughs> and free and easy and it's like well <laughs> just so now now I do so I, I definitely had to live through so, so to bring it back around and to kind of conclude um the story I would say that you know the lessons that I needed to learn around like what does it really mean to 
create spaciousness for your body to process and heal at its own pace. Um, what does it mean to release comparison? No, really, for, for real, <laughs> release comparison. You know, what does it mean to have a spirit-led business, spirit-led life? Um, and it, it's not to say that I was failing before. That's not the, the language I would use. But, like, I think the way a spiral works is that you kind of keep hitting a similar point, but you hit it from a different layer. Or you could think of it as peeling layers, the onion. I had peeled some layers that were foundational and necessary, but there were more layers to go. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of where I am now. Um, I am in the process. So, so the original reason, reason that I had reached out to you was actually um, that I am getting ready for something that I'm really excited about and that kind of reminded me of our last conversation, um, which is an offering um, that is free, totally free offering. Um, I'm calling it Heart-Centered Swords. And it is a tarot offering, although you don't need to be a tarot person um, to participate, uh, that is really looking, digging in from the angle of sword suit. Um, and so there's going to be a webinar that's taking place live on February 11th. Um, and then there's an email series just for one week following that. Starts on Valentine's Day, easy to remember. Um, and so folks can... Um, Sign up. I assume we could do like a link in the show notes or yeah, something definitely. like that. Um, great. So link in the show notes, but also you can just go to queer, queermagical.com. And it's, there's a link that says free heart-centered swords. You can click on that to sign up. And so you'll get a calendar invite to the webinar and you'll also get the email series. Um, and what we'll be doing in that is, um, you know, looking at the swords and the tarot and then pulling that out a little more broadly. Um, to think about some of the themes that I've found in the sword around storytelling, around unlearning, and then telling your own story around, um, you know, unique ways to love each other and show up for each other um, and around kind of dreaming in a future together. Uh, so the reason that I was really into this and excited about this. And again, it was funny listening back because we talked a little bit last time about the source is that when I started tarot, um, I don't know about you, but did you find this, the sword scary when you first? Oh, for sure. I would freak yeah, myself yeah. out and throw my deck away mm-hmm. because I would get so many swords. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, it's yep. bad. Yep. <laughs> no, I think, and I think that's a really common experience. I, I feel like uh, people either really dread the source because the imagery can be really scary and like kind of it seems almost out of sync with the other suits when you first learn it right it's like it seems like it's the the you don't want to say the bad suit but it kind of feels that way when you look at the imagery sometimes um, with a few exceptions and then you have people like me um and people like one of my dearest tarot friends well dearest friends um who really you know thought of ourselves when we started the tarot as mind people brain people uh it's so funny because i just want to say like you had Mm. like such a logical vibe about you before (laughs) like i I remember both of us identifying as like intjs Mm -hmm. and which i feel like is so heady and really logical and judging and like very Mm -hmm. like binary in thinking Mm -hmm. in general um and I feel like now you've embraced like the feeling and the water and like this whole 
other element, like that whole high priestess element that kind of like balances out the Mercury of like the Virgo-y magician, which is so cool. I just love that. It's like, it's so amazing. I'm, yeah. Go well, on. I love that you say that. I love that you make that like connection between like the watery and the Virgo because, um, like thinking like Pisces Virgo, which if folks aren't familiar with, um, oh my god, yes, I didn't signs. even think about that. That's yes. so true. Yes. Yeah. So if if you're not familiar with astrology, those two signs are on opposite sides of the of the wheel. They're what we would call um a polarity, and the the trick to polarity is that it's not actually opposite. So. You know, that actually really plays into this because I think that, um, so yeah, when I started, like I was with, in fact, one of the things that I was so excited, right, about us hanging out is I was like, oh, somebody else is like an ITK and this and this. I now, I'm not as big as I used to be on Myers-Briggs mainly because um, hilariously, the more, the more liminal and fluid I've gotten, the more I'm like, oh, I like the system a lot more when I could clearly relate to like a super. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't know, I might be an N of some kind. I'm really not sure. But um, but, but what I do um, vibe with a little more is the, the Enneagram. I, I definitely, like, I thought I was a five, which is a very, like, facts-gathering, needs all the information. And I think I'm actually a four with a five wing. And a four is more of a kind of, like, creative, intuitive, but, like, also um, there's a real sense of, like, the outsider with the four. And I, I think that that something I realized about my relationship with um, brain and mind and like coming into the tarot being like, I'm here because I like language and I like systems and I love the symbology of the tarot. Um, I've come to learn that like part of that is that my neurodivergent brain does need systems and structures to function and especially to function in this culture. Um, And so there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't, I haven't, you know, when I think about the polarity, right, it's not like I've run away from the Virgo side. Um, the the Virgo, I'm, I, I don't have planets in Virgo, and I always thought that was weird. But I learned that my, what's called the IC, um, and it stands for something in Latin I can't pronounce, but the, the root of the chart, the bottom of the chart, because I'm a Cancer rising, it means that my the root of my chart um and I use a particular house system, doesn't really matter, but the point is it's in Virgo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like my most private self, my most like um, my safe place is kind of Virgo, right? It's like, I feel, I I feel spreadsheets as a, as a comfort food. Yeah. I remember you doing spreadsheets with your tarot. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And I still, I've, I've moved from spreadsheets to notion, but I'm still like, I have an idea at some point I want to teach a, a workshop on like information architecture for creative and spiritual people, because I think it would be fascinating. Oh, that's, um, cool. that's another topic for another day. But, but I mean, I do think that, you know, it's not that I've run away from, um, from that part of me. And then, and, and so the Pisces being the other side, so the IC is like your most private self, the MC, which is the other side of that, which for me is in Pisces is kind of the impact you're going to make on the world and like your public self. And so it's like realizing that my impact isn't necessarily meant to be just data or like teaching people data. My impact is more Piscean, but you know, it's not, it's not running away from the Virgo. It's sort of pulling the two together and it's, it's finding common ground. And I think like being a non-binary person that really resonates with me. Um, when I, when I came to it and I was sort of like, well, I, you know, when the four suits were just described, 
before I saw the picture. I was like, oh, sure, that's mine, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. my mental suit. Excellent. And then I looked at the pictures and went, wait, what? Like, this is unfair. I don't, I don't get it, right? Like, I could identify maybe with the court cards, but a lot of the minors, I was just like, oh, I don't, what? Um, and so that that's sort of what pushed me into developing um, this offering is that I really want to to look at the swords a little differently. Um, and in doing so, you know, we'll get into it a lot more in the webinar, but, but one of the things that we're looking at with the swords is how it's not just like the suit of the mind. It is about stories and patterns and like a particular way of working with the mind. And in coming up with that, I realized that for every suit, it's not about like a particular modality or body part. Like you can't say like, oh, cup is heart. And that means X. Swords is brain. Um, you know, uh, pentacles is maybe like body or, or like overall structure of body. And uh, maybe you'd say wands is like gut or something. That doesn't really work for me. Um, and it, it's similar to integrating polarities. It's like, I don't think you can, I think the beauty of the, of, human experience is extremely connected both internally and externally um and that sometimes the extreme don't really serve people and so one of the things i've learned in this whole journey this whole experience whatever you want to call it of like going from being really identified with my achievements and and identified with like the things i could do in tech and in systems and in data um which are still skills i have but like being less identified with that and moving away from that and seeing myself it's like, oh, I'm magic and I'm a healer and I'm an intuitive. And I have this very deep like thing that I've had since I was a child and I've been kind of blocking off certain modalities. So it used to be when I pulled cups, like I would pull three of cups and just be upset. Be like, oh, <laughs> not that card, right? Or I pull anything in the wand and just feel exhausted. I just feel like, oh no, not three of wands because that's going to be, ugh. Really? I mean, honestly, the threes, I think, are a great example, right? Because, like, the threes seem really positive in every suit except the swords. The three of swords is one of the mm. scariest cards in the deck. It's like three swords piercing a heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have the opposite. I mean, not say I love the three of swords, but I, the three of cups and the three of wands were sometimes just as scary for me. Um, and I've realized through this experience, like, oh, the reason they were so scary is because I was almost blocking these parts of myself or I wasn't able to access them because of the structures around me. So like, because I was exhausting myself, burning myself out um, in little ways, like death from a thousand cuts. Like I was, I was using um, my energy in a way that didn't really suit me and what that was causing internally for me um, seemed subtle and I couldn't really see it but then when I got out of that job it was like oh my god eight months of I mean I literally I'll tell you Anna I um I would sleep for 18 to 24 hours at a time over the summer like I couldn't wake up physically unable and there's a reason for that I'm pretty sure I have this fairly rare condition and I figured out a way to kind of mitigate it so that I'm I'm able to not do that um but I just couldn't get out of bed. And so, of course, the one felt like, oh, my God, no. Right? <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Like, where was I going to find that energy? Nowhere. Um, and I really like, um, there's this, so I know human design is kind of controversial, and I have mixed opinions about it, probably not not for right now. But I will say that there is um, 
there's this person, Rachel, who runs Pure Generators. Um, and Generator is a human design type. And I had always been like, it's my human design type. I was always been like, no, that is not me. Because the description of Generator is always like, oh, we have this well of like boundless energy. And I was like, huh? what? No. <laughs> like, I can't get out of bed. Like, literally, my partner can come into the room, try to wake me up, think they woke woke me up. We have a conversation. It turns out I was sleep talking. Um, they got that bad. And and then when I when I went through that, I went through that healing, I went through that process, and I integrated. And I think folks don't always realize how important integration is, like literally just making space and like being patient, which is so hard. But like, going through that and then coming out the other side and figuring out the fatigue and getting to a place where it's like, Oh my God, this is how other people live. Like I have 14 entire hours of being awake. Right. Um, and, and having all the systems I've made for myself be actually possible to use because I had time which to use them. Um, and I was, I started doing all these things. I was passionate about writing constantly learning, you know, doing my tarot practice. And it was like, Oh, I do have this bottomless well of energy. I'm loving doing this. Um, and suddenly the wands are great. I love the wands. <laughs> so I think like if folks, you know, who do use the tarot or encounter the tarot are listening to this and feel out of touch or out of a connection with the suit, like that's one, that's okay. Like gentleness with yourself, you know, like that's okay. And But also kind of getting curious about what might be going on under the surface. Um, we're, you know, 2022 is a lover's year collectively um there's this system where you add up digits and you get the um 2022 six six is the lovers and the lovers is so much about calling parts of yourself home mm, it feels like such an embodiment yeah like you've embodied mm-hmm. the system of tarot instead of just like yes. looking yes. at it or like intellectualizing mm-hmm. it which is so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I recommend folks, you know, in addition to my own work, I, you know, I got a credit, like huge credit uh, to, to my teacher um, and where I met you through um, one of her programs, Lindsay Mack, after we did that program um, together a few years ago. Uh, like, I think I bought every course she has. I mean, now that I don't have a job, like that may change, but I have a job. I don't have much of an income, but yeah, like um, I have, um, really learned from her the the idea, and she teaches in a lot of her courses now this concept of like tarot anchoring and using cards like an anchor for life. Not even you don't even have to pull a card. You could never have owned a tarot deck, and you could hear us talking about the lovers and go, "Ooh, that's an idea I want to work with." Right? Like that's an archetype, that's energy. And I think that embodying it is is such a big part. Like there's such a big difference between um, my therapist pointed out the other day. That like I keep saying things like, I know this, I know this, or I think this, or I get it. Like I understand that like this is my spiritual belief. This is the thing. So why am I still doing something totally backwards? And she's like, Avery, you gotta practice. Like you have to do the thing. <laughs> you have to embody something. Like you can't just know it in your brain. You have to live it. And so the lovers, I think, are. Um, is an energy that folks, especially in this lover's year, can really think about if there is a suit that you you find challenging, or even if you're not a tarot person. Like the idea of emotions and relationships and um, 
you know, heart space feels, if that feels like, ooh, I do not want to touch that. Or if the idea of energy and passion and desire feel like I have none of that, it's a pandemic, what are we talking about? Or, you know, if the idea of being embodied is difficult for you, you know, for my, my trans siblings, I know a lot of us really struggle with that. Um, if the, you know, material world is challenging, you kind of want to be in your head. Um, or if you find the swords um, challenging, if you find the, even not even the imagery of the swords, but the idea of, um, you know, brain stuff, system stuff, if that's not your your particular, you know, area that feels like you, then I think part of the lover's work you can do, and we'll be talking about the lover's actually as an anchor for the Heart Center Swords offering, um, part of the lover's work that you can do is to kind of just, just generally investigate and look look at you know, why does that feel like not me? And what does it feel like that suit or that energy or that element? What does it feel like for you? Like, what are the things that come up? How, what, what is the anxiety or the frustration or the grief or whatever it is that comes up for you? And is it possible that some of that is rooted in either, or maybe both and, but either some of the systems and structures and circumstances of your life that might be making that energy difficult for you. And you don't have to dismiss them. You don't have to, you know, throw it all out, but just like acknowledge, gently acknowledge. It can be really powerful to say, wow, yeah, my job is draining the hell out of me. And also I need to meet my needs. I need to earn money. And right now I don't really have, I don't feel like I have other options, but just like acknowledging that and acknowledging the emotions that come up with that um, can be really powerful. And then the other piece is, um, is there a way in which you see that energy is looking like X and it might be Y? So like an example I would give of what that looks like, um, and this also kind of comes from Lindsay and how she thinks of the, the lover's card, but um, if you really admire someone, and you really want them. And that could be romantically, but that could also be in a million other ways. It also doesn't have to be a person. If there's like a place that you're just like obsessed with, you're like, how do I get myself to live in X place? Um, or maybe there's an idea where you're like, why didn't I think of that? That's brilliant. Or maybe like me and you go on Instagram and you're like, oh, this person, you know, is five years younger than me and seven times more successful. When you see that tendency to compare that is a really good beacon to show you a place where you have some lover's work to do. And that looks like realizing that whatever it is that you admire and that draws you to them is actually part of you. You wouldn't be so activated if it had nothing to do with you. You just wouldn't notice them. Or you'd notice them to be real neutral, right? The people that you're like, oh my God, I want this. Um, it's actually telling you something about yourself. And you can... You know, maybe the way they do it doesn't feel excessive. That's why you, you want to connect with them because you're like, I could never be X. But it's also possible that that's because your unique way of doing the thing and embodying that energy is very different. And I think that's been really key to me in realizing that, like, my Pisces doesn't have to look like anyone else's Pisces. <laughs> my experience of Three of Cups might be very different from somebody else's. Um, and so, yeah, I just really want to support people in this offering and, and more broadly in my work. And, and if you're interested in general, you know, you can um, you can go to that website, queermagical.com. It's got, there's a, a button that says work with me and it's got links to all my socials and everything. 
Um, I, I, my newsletter is kind of the main place of putting long form content, but I also do YouTube every other week and I do Instagram. So there's lots of places to connect and see what I'm doing. Um, but what I want to do with my work is to, you know, support people in like doing this kind of integration and, and um, realizing that there are alternatives and um, realizing how structures and systems and, and examples of how others are doing things um, can, can kind of get in the way. So when we're working with the swords, we're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. We're not going to say the brain is evil because that's the other thing. I, I think some people interpret the swords as like spiritual development is about releasing the mind. And like, I realize it sounds kind of sarcastic to that, like with full love and respect for folks who do believe that. But I don't think it's about releasing the mind because your mind's going to be with you for the rest of your life. I think it's about learning how to integrate the mind with the spirit and the body and the heart and learning to not prioritize the mind and logic over literally everything else. Mm. You know what I pulled before this combo? I pulled a card, of mm. course. And yeah. I pulled the tell me, tell me. Knight of Cups reversed with the Oracle card awareness, which I thought was really interesting. Because oh. you kind of have like the water and the yeah. air. And, like, how mm -hmm. we move through these things. And it reminded me of, like, how we tell ourselves stories and kind of, like, how we wow. move through things that may not come easily to us um, yeah. and how we can be aware of these things. And even in the awareness, it kind of allows a little bit of space and room to grow, which is so cool. I love too. Knight of that's so wow. Um, tarot is magic. I know. Um, because it's so magic because when I pull that card, so one of the main ways I treat reversals is an invitation to kind of like come home to yourself. Sort of like what I was talking about, the lovers, right? It might not be something that you like fully claim, or you might be struggling with it, but it's like inviting you to come back to it. And when I pull Knight of Cups, that's my doula card. So it's so oh funny because whenever so I cool. pull that reverse, I think like, yeah, like come home to your own door. So, so I love that. I love that for me. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> you, that you for like, you too. I love that for me. Well, and like, you know, I think it's the awareness is really interesting too, because I think like another thing that my work is really overall responding to is um, I, I feel like there's a lot of disconnection. And I know this is sort of a, like a trope, right? To say, oh, social media is disconnecting us, you know, political divisions are like, People can say that all day, um, but I do think there's a lot of felt sense in, I've noticed even in the, all the social justice books I've read recently, there's this real theme of like, we've tried to analyze the social problems, we've tried to fight the, the problems, um, we tried to do this and that, we tried to adjust our language, we tried to call people in um, to, to reducing harm, but a lot of us are not educated at least in the culture I was raised in, are not really educated and don't really get a lot of self-experience in modalities other than the mind. And so our awareness, I think, is limited in that way because it's only, like, it's, it's only what we can see through a particular lens. Um, there, there's a book coming out that I'm reading for review, and oh, I'm going to blank on the last name, but it's called The Four Pivots. It's Sean, and I cannot remember his last name, just with a G, but The Four Pivots. Um, and one of the things he talks about is like a lens versus a mirror and how a lens, if you have a lens of the world view, basically, um, and you're looking at things through your lens, 
then you're always going to filter the data and you're always going to do the analysis to kind of fit your lens, even if you're not trying to. Um, but a mirror in um, contrast is about reflection. And so instead of looking at all the social problems and saying, you know, I believe X, Y, Z, how do I make this happen? You actually turn it back on yourself and you say, hmm, like, where do I, what is it, what, am, what is coming up for me around this? What is my story? How is my story interacting with other stories? What are the ways in which, you know, my heart space, my, um, my soul is, is grappling with things like generational trauma? And how do I show up with that? And what kind of work do I need to do? And internal work is not about denying action. I think healing and action are kind of like a polarity on the, the birth chart, on the zodiacal wheel. I think healing and action are something we need to integrate and we need to bring together, not go to one or the other. Um, and so, like, I see my work responding to this hunger and this need for genuine connection, for resonance with other humans, for showing up in the space and, and being with each other. I'm, I'm working on a more signature offering, which, again, like, folks can follow me anywhere. Um, and I'll be announcing whenever that happens. I think it'll probably be mid-year. But I've been, I've been thinking about ways to bring people together to, to practice and feel this kind of human resonance. So I think we're missing it. And I think that it's something that we like deny. I think capitalism, not to be too political, but I'm going to, I'm very anti-capitalist. So I'll just say that I believe that capitalism is, and particularly the fact that it's white supremacist, colonialist, racist capitalism. I think all of that soup we're swimming in, um, denies, it wants us to, put trust outside of ourselves. It wants us to seek approval from others. It wants us to look to others for answers and not do the internal work. And the thing about the internal work is that what you're building is a self-trust muscle. And that's really what I want to work with people on is like building a self-trust. Um, I, I think of it as, I call it an inner compass. Uh, you know, if I get, let's say I get called in on a racial justice um, issue, I'm a, a white person, and um, I'm, I make a mistake, I cause harm, right? And somebody calls me in. Um, if I'm operating in this world of like, um, that I've learned from my education, from capitalism, from whatever, that says, um, you know, I should believe X because I have X identity or because I learned X in a book, um, even if I am Staunchly anti-racist and really passionate about racial uh, equity, racial justice, racial liberation, even if I'm super passionate about those things, without a strong inner compass, when someone calls me in, I might swing really hard and really extreme towards their point of view. And I might even um, be self-facing. I might think, oh, God, like I need to be smaller. Like the, the, the deal is to be smaller. And this is something that... Um, that I wrestled with a lot, even with the sword, like um, King of Swords. Um, we talked about King of Swords last time, and I was all like, oh, God, I've been pulling it. I don't know what the hell is happening. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, you know, because I was, like, wrestling a lot with showing up and what it meant to show up, especially as a white person and as somebody who's passionate about racial justice. And initially, my solution, as it were, was to hide was to stay away, was to, and this is very like, you know, quote unquote, white tears, you know, it's very, um, the kind of, kind of processing and stuff that we have to go through that, that I think can be really frustrating to um, racialized folks. But, um, 
But I, I sort of pivoted on that because I realized that I would get pulled one way and I would think, you know, I need to make myself small. That is the solution. And then, and then maybe I would do my best to be as small as possible and to not like not mess anything up and to, you know, try and try. This is part of white culture. It's perfectionism, right? I would try to be perfect. I would try to get it right. And then someone else might have the opposite viewpoint, same similar identity, opposite viewpoint, another um, racialized person. And then I go, oh, no, I need to go this way, right? Because, of course, uh, no, no group is a monolith. There is no one right answer. And I think if you have this stronger in, inner compass, you, you still can do deep listening. You still can engage with people and address harm and, uh, and practice harm reduction and practice accountability. But you're not pulled in this really extreme way back and forth. And you're able to sort of take in what you hear and kind of test it against your inner compass and be like, okay, I know my values are these. I know that these are really strong core values I have. Um, how can I act from those values? Like, what, what should I do? And sometimes the answer, you know, I think the answer is almost never argue with the person. But, like, sometimes the answer is, you know, thank you. Like, thank you for expanding my awareness on this. Thank you for, you know, I hear you. I mean, think just I hear you. I hear your perspective. It sounds like, wow, I hear you saying that you're experiencing a ton of frustration and that what I, I did is activating all this you know, history and this trauma, and I apologize for that. Um, I acknowledge that I, that I uh, have caused harm. Because saying you've caused harm, it doesn't mean um, that one person's right, one person's wrong. It's just, it's just that you caused harm, whether you intended or not. So I caused harm. I apologize. You know, I will take steps to do what I need to do. And in some cases, the, you know, the, your, where you ultimately land might be, no, I think that what I said is actually in integrity. Right? I, think, I think that I was actually, like, I think it aligns my values. And other times you may pivot, but you're pivoting from an internal compass. It's like a little twist. If, if you think of the wheel card, it's like the center of the wheel that twists. But if you're at the very center, you're not moving nearly as dramatically as if you're way outside of the wheel and external things are just tugging you around and around and around. And so I'm really passionate about um, ways in which folks can, um, can really like learn to trust themselves, their own enoughness, their own deservingness, um, not to self-minimize, not to run away, not to avoid or be scared of like social media or any kind of interaction. But to show up, I think King of Swords is um, being in truth, and truth is something that I don't believe any one of us can fully see. I think our understanding of what is truth develops as we learn from people's stories, and we learn from the storytelling. Um, and so, yeah, that was a lot, but, you know, <laughs> this is a problem. Now that I channel, I just, like, get on a... <laughs> no, I love it. Get on the floor. Can you talk about, like, another maybe like real life embodiment of a swords card. Like I love the example of the King of swords, but any other one I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear. Yeah. Let's see. What, where do I want to go with this? Um, you know what? I, I, I've got one. Um, so, well, actually, do we want to go non court? I was going to go page, but then I'm like, maybe we should do, um, you can do both. Do <laughs> I think I'm gonna do page. I'm gonna go with page, and then if I think of them, I, just because page really like jumped out at me, and so I I trust what trust what comes through. Um, so the page of swords. Um, so the other kind of like end of the spectrum. We got the king, we got the page. Um, 
the page of swords is definitely a, a sort of like greener energy. It's a newer energy. It's this like desire to say something. Um, oh wait, did I say that? No wait, I don't want page. I want night. Sorry. Very possible on the page, and I'm like, that's not what I meant to talk about. Just kidding. The page is great. Um, you can, if you want to know about the page, go to our last conversation because I did talk about the page. But let's talk about the night. So yes, night of swords. Oh, brain. Um, so so lots to forgive me. I have um, uh, one of my neurodivergencies is ADHD, and sometimes my brain just jumps. Um, so the night of swords. Um, a lot of people just think of it as like fast movement, and I and that's part of it. Um, if you look at the cards, the the knight is like galloping with much speed. Um, but you'll also notice that the knight's sword is pointed in the direction that, that they are going. And everything about that energy is going in a direction. Um, and that showed up for me uh, because something I, I learned actually through that experience I, I mentioned of, um, of fatigue and, and then realizing the way my energy works when I'm passionate, when I'm doing things. It, I feel like the body, wow, like the body literally, I mean, and I don't want to, I want to be very clear that I'm not over, I in no way want to do like the magical disability trope, right? So if you're, if you're experiencing a disability and it sucks and, it has, and you're like, and this has no medicine, like that is absolutely valid. That like, I do not want to minimize that in any way. Um, but for this particular experience, it was just really interesting the way the, the thing that I have which is um, idiopathic hypersomnia is what it's called. It's pretty, pretty rare. Um, but the way it operates is um, I basically can't lie down. If I lie down, I go to sleep. <laughs> it got worse and worse. And so I can't recline. I can't be really comfortable or else I'll fall asleep. And what was really supportive to that, um, in, in addition to a medication, what was really supportive to that was, you know, not letting myself go to sleep until 10 or 11. And then, you know, setting an alarm, having a consistent sleep skip. Okay, boring, boring. Like, that just sounds pretty fun, though. But what I find really interesting about it is a lot of people who have sleep issues, it's about, it's insomnia, right? It's not sleeping enough. And so it was really weird to have, like, this issue. And I literally would have doctors be like, oh, you're sleeping a lot? That sounds real nice. Like, so? <laughs> Basically, mm -hmm. like, your, your problem, it doesn't sound like a problem. Like, you don't understand. I have things I want to do, and I'm sleeping. You know, I, even before the worst of it, like, I'm sleeping 12 hours every night. That's not really helping me. Um, and, and it got worse because I didn't know what I had. And I kept thinking, oh, the body's communicating to me. It needs more sleep. I'm sleeping this much, but I must need something. There must be something wrong, some internal system, some metabolism, whatever. I must need to sleep. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect. I'm going to trust. I'm going to rest. You know, I use all the sort of like spiritual terms of like, you know, you need to, you need to have rest, you need to give yourself self-care. And those are all like well invalid. But what I learned is that my self-care doesn't look like other people or everyone's self-care. No one's self-care looks the same. And specifically for me, that I was actually doing myself more harm by allowing my body to rest, which seems like a pretty unambiguously good thing, than sitting up. And then being in work that I'm passionate about, because that allows me to actually be in it and enjoy it, and the time passes really quickly. Um, I got support, you know, treatment for, and support for my ADHD. And, um, and so Knight of Swords for me, um, I have come to love, even though before I was like, this is too fast, this movement is too fast, because that directed flow, that the way that Knight is like galloping along, that's how I feel when I'm really in my work. Like when I'm writing something and it's just like, oh, 
five hours have passed. I mean, it's not great with ADHD. It's always like, oh, you haven't eaten anything for eight hours. But <laughs> that aside, it, it's, um, there's research that says that when we're in a quote-unquote flow state, um, when we're focused and we're doing something and we're kind of all in, that's when we have the most contentment and the most happiness. And I used to really hate that because I was like, I have ADHD. I cannot focus what the heck like what this is so you know inaccessible to me um but i learned to work with my neurodivergencies in a way that um you know i set up systems i did things so that i work with the adhd not against it um and i've come to view my adhd as a kind of magic where because i can't remember everything because i can't always choose where to focus um it's like I'm naturally geared to have to get out of the brain, or I shouldn't say get out of the brain. I'm going to correct myself there. I'm naturally geared to not be able to prioritize the brain as much as culture would like me to, and to have to trust that things will come back. And so, um, like, I did, um, I did some review of these end of year journals I do every year and I had about six years worth and I found this amazing thing which was that every intention I journaled about every like thing I wanted to do that was like really heart-centered not the stuff that was like super you know like I want to promote x number of direct reports not that but like the stuff that was very like I want more self-trust um I want I want to lead from my body's wisdom. I want stuff like that. Um, you know, almost all of them had come through. I don't want to say come true because it's, it's not an end result, but like almost every one I had significant growth in the past six years, but not in the year that I put that intention down for. <laughs> so I might've said, you know, 20, 2008 is the year I do X. And it's like, or no, 2008 is a long, long time ago. Um, Never mind. I don't understand how time works. I have ADHD. But um, yeah, like I might say, uh, what year is it? 2022. Okay. So I might have said it in 2019 is the year that this happened. And it was not, but 2021 was, for example, you know? And so like that gave me this greater trust because I was like, wow, I wrote those things down. I never came back. to them. I forgot they were there. I had no idea that I had been interested in this four years ago, but I put that out into the universe. I put that little soul intention out there and I got opportunities to practice that. The universe delivered. Um, and you could call it universe, you could call it God, you could call it, you know, spirit, you could call it vibes, whatever. My heart can hold intentions, memories, desire that my brain cannot. And that's true for everyone, but I think especially with something like ADHD, it just it you can't force it. You can't make your brain do it. And so it's like you're plunged into trust. It's like the you know it's it's um you are you have to live temperance energy so much. You have to live that like trust so much. And so I'm back against self trust, but like that is like the theme for me right now. You know, it is is very much that. And so that's that's an example of how that comes through. That's so cool. I love how you weave the swords and the idea of kind of seeing them through the lens of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's why like heart-centered swords kind of came about because like I didn't want to separate 
um, like I said, like things aren't separate, but like specifically, I did not want to separate swords from, uh, from other suits. I didn't want to say sometimes, you know, linearly like the order of the tarot, um, traditionally is that it goes wands, then swords, then cups. And the 10 of swords is a very like, person is like dead on the ground with 10 swords in them, right? It's a very final feeling energy. And then you move into the Ace of Cups. And I don't want that to be, I don't want folks to, to feel that as like, okay, the goal is that at the end, I completely divorce myself of my mind and I move into the heart space because that's not really how it works. Um, but I think the two, the two work together um, re- really beautifully. Do you find that like the sword, any of the swords cards have like, I'm thinking of like the lovers and how there's like Mm -hmm. reflections, right? Or like mirrors. Do you see the swords cards having any mirrors in the deck or like helpers or anchors? Oh, like are they, are there any that are mirrored like a different? Yeah, like a, a different card. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I do. Let me think. I think I want to go to. Ooh, where do I want to go there? Um, well. I know. It was a weird question. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good one. Well, I'm, I had an instinct. I was like, yes, I can answer the question that you asked, but I'm going to answer it a little differently, which is that I think that there, um, so we talked about the lovers. Um, I actually want to say there's another major, and if I had to put it, if I had to associate with specific swords card, I might go with the king or maybe the ace, weirdly enough, <laughs> the ace of the king. Um, but I would associate those two cards with justice. Mm. And yeah, and I, I may be biased because admittedly, um, justice is the other major we're going to look at in this offering. I'm going to kind of anchor the swords to two different majors. One is the lovers and the other one is justice. And it's a little personal because this is for me personally, a justice year, or it will be, it actually won't be at the time of the, I'm, I'm still technically in a wheel year, but, um, right after this offering, I'll have my birthday and um, I will be in a justice year. And justice, although it is um, not a sword card, it has a sword in it. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that, that that the ace and the king, so the ace is the pure kind of expression of the suit. It's like the, the initial invitation. It's the it's the idea, it's the, it's the perspective or the new story that you're just interacting with for the first time. And then the king is this figure of like real integrity and, and I think operating from truth in a really radical way. And that's not dogmatic. That's not like, I think this is true and so I'm going to do something. It's, it's soul knowing. It's like heart-centered truth. Um, the king speaks truth to power. And even though you might say, well, the king is power, it's the king. Um, I think of the king, though, not as like a typical leader, but as, but as a movement leader, as somebody who like speaks truth to power. But if you think of a movement leader that is really heart-centered and it isn't just about 
um, isn't just about the the kind of party line of the movement, but is adaptable and is and trusts themselves so much that they don't need to worry about being challenged or called in because they will pivot with that and they have that inner compass, right? Um, and so that to me really ties in with justice, just because justice is a card to me that really represents that sense that there there is truth, that truth is real, but truth is also um, constantly evolving and adapting. And I don't believe personally that we can ever, like an individual, can ever see the whole truth of everything. Right? That would make us um, omnipotent, on um, omniscient. But um, I do believe that the more we listen to each other's stories, um, the more we seek out perspectives, just as associated with Libra, very like seek out perspectives energy. Um, the more we do that, the more we we listen um, and also speak our truth, the closer we get to truth, the more we operate from a place of truth. And, and I find that to be very heart-centered. Also, I think of the word courage, which comes from the French word peur. Um, I, I love that because peur is heart. And the idea of like this courage being this very like heart-centered place, that's King of Swords to me. King of Swords has the courage to stand up and speak the truth, even if it's possible that, that you know, the king's understanding of the truth isn't complete. The king is ready to say the truth and then listen to the people, as it were, to um, to receive as well, which is maybe not something people would associate with King of Swords receiving, but, but um, I think it is for me. That feels very Eight of Swords, too. Oh. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about how that comes up for you. Like, I got... Eight of Swords and Bravery the other day, and it really made me think about how you related it to courage and this idea that Mm -hmm. we can almost, like, free ourselves from these perspectives by... Yeah, no, okay, that makes sense, yes. By, like, looking through a different lens or even, like, Mm -hmm. a kinder lens to ourselves or... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and so cool. No, I, I think I think that's really good. And like the, the diminishment, I talked about that feeling of like I have to hide and stuff. Like that was very much, I think, an Eight of Swords experience in the sense of like, oh, um, you know, I'm putting all these restrictions on myself. And then friends, um, and not to say this would be everyone's opinion, but like friends I have um, who have racialized identities who kind of look at me and go, why are you beating yourself? Like, Jesus, like that's, you know, you are you are really applying some white shame and punishment and policing tactics to yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know. And they helped me to see the way in which that those swords weren't actually stabbing me. I thought I was trapped. I had the blindfold on, and I needed to see like, oh, you know. And I don't think. I mean, this comes back to like, I don't think that in our culture we really get practice in adapting and fluidity and like being able to to stay with each other through the repair process. One of the, one of the emails in the series, we'll talk about this. Like I, I think one of the most important things about dreaming in a more beautiful, more connected, more whatever you want future. It's like, we need space for storytelling. We need space for creating vision. 
not just fighting what's bad. We need space for folks to say what they want in the future. Um, and then we also need to have the ability to have conflicting ideas and to stay with each other and to stay in it. And I think sometimes media can be kind of polarizing in this way. Um, and it's not to say like you have to befriend every, you know, it's not saying like hug your local white supremacist. I'm certainly not saying that. Um, but at the same time, it's like a little more openness, a little more sort of, well, I vehemently disagree with someone. Um, but if I am safe, and that's an important part, if I am safe, and you may not be, in which case, you know, find safety. But if I am safe, um, then I want to be in this and I want to work with this and I want to feel into this uncertainty and get comfortable, not comfortable, but get used to discomfort. Um, and particularly, I would say this, you know, to white folks, honestly, because I think we are not taught this as much because we don't, we're not forced to be in discomfort. And, you know, I, it's not that I never am, right? Like I'm trans, I'm uncomfortable sometimes. Um, you know, we have other identities and it's intersectional experience. But I do think that this is something where folks, the more marginalized identities you have, more marginalized identities you hold, more deeply marginalized identities, you've probably had to have more experience of just being forced to be in discomfort. And I think everyone needs to become get used to discomfort um, and to not see it as something to run away from or avoid, but as something to like really embrace because the discomfort shows you that you're in it. It points to your emotions. It helps you to get to something real. Um, so, yeah. Oh, what do you yeah. think about the way that the swords can help us with uncertainty. Do you feel like there's any like mm -hmm. specific cards mm -hmm. that can kind of be like yes. anchors? Yes. Um, actually the three. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll talk about a few different interpretations of the three in the program, but um and, and there are a few ways you can go with it, but one of the one of the things that kind of resonated to me is that sometimes I think the three can be about a moment of like cognitive dissonance. And that moment when you realize that a story or a pattern or an idea that you felt, you know, excited about that came to in the eighth, that you spent time in the two kind of protecting yourself, making boundaries so you could sit with it, you could reflect on it, you can develop that idea. I think one way to think about it is in the three, you might be confronted with an alternative that really like rocks you. And maybe you've been in that idea for like 10 years and suddenly, or your whole life, and you suddenly go, uh-oh, um, this is causing cognitive dissonance. And often that's the moment before you actually change anything, and you may or may not, you know, end up changing anything. But it's that moment of like, I can't figure out how to hold these two things. And I'm not sure if I can trust my own opinion. And this is really uncomfortable. And I think those swords stabbing the heart get to that feeling of discomfort and like being in the discomfort. I think one of the lessons of the three of swords is to not um, try to like run away from your emotions, but to, um, to really be in that, you know, it's stabbing the heart to like, don't try to bandage it. <laughs> um, your heart is bleeding. Bandaging's not going to work. But instead, to, to feel through, to experience them. Um, and I think that is actually the way that you get to the kind of uh, point in the four of rest. Or 
not not necessarily full rest, but like mental rest, like giving yourself a break. I think it's important to get to that point. But but I think it's important also to like be in the discomfort. And then I think the four sort of points to as you're in the discomfort, give yourself some space, also give yourself some support. You know, don't maybe respond right away. Give yourself a few days. Let yourself move through the waves of emotion. Because I promise that emotions, you know, you'll move through them and and actually experiencing them and actually feeling them and actually touching into them, which can be very uncomfortable, um, is actually the way to keep moving. It is the way to stay in them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I your- actually want to... Bring- oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so I want to bring up one other thing because I don't know um, what your uh, the timing on these um, episodes is, but but I wanted to make sure to mention something that is going to be uh, a little a little not specifically source related, but it, it came to me last night and I was just like, oh, I have to bring this up because I one I wanted you to know personally that you had you had first planted the idea in my head about Earth as a container for water. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but you had. Like, I had been like, my water, it's flowing everywhere. Blood, and that's right. Um, and, and also, I had been like, I like Earth better, right? And and so, coming back to this, like, Virgo Pisces thing. Um, and you had given me this idea that, uh, which is probably a very big idea, but you're the first person I heard from, um, that water needs a container. and uh, Or that water, you know, often the Earth can, can benefit from a container. And last night, it was um, another another moon thing. Folks um, who know astrology, I I have a very tight conjunction where my moon is in my first house, which just makes it important. But it's also in Cancer, so it's the ruler of my chart, and it um, it's conjunct the ascendant, so it's like a really strong, yeah, really strong lunar energy. And so I feel moons even before I knew. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that every month something would happen. I didn't pay attention to when, but. Um, so the last night when we were recording this, which was the 17th, um, or yesterday afternoon, I guess, um, on the 17th, we had the full moon in Cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually forming a grand water trine in my chart between Mercury, Saturn, and, and the moon. And I was just like psychic channeling for two hours that I did not plan and did not expect. Um, and one of the things after that session that happened that came to me, I was in the shower <laughs> and I was having this like sudden like thought about the cancer Capricorn axis. Um, and I realized like back to this, like duality and back to this, whatever. Um, that was when I, I, I really like grabbed onto this idea of integrating polarity. Um, and the way that um, Capricorn, which is my DC. So we talked about MCIC. Your rising is AC, so the, the rising sign is AC, and then it's on the left side of your chart. And then right on the other side, on the right, is called your DC. The DC is often described as like what you're looking for in partners, relationships, close relationships, friends, whatever. Um, and also sometimes what you project, so back to the lovers, right? What you project onto others that's really yours, but you do not identify with. So Capricorn, I did not identify with this feeling of like effort and discipline and constant work especially my neurodivergency so that will literally never happen um and honestly i didn't really identify with the cancer either but 
<laughs> um, but cancer is like a nurturing energy. Often is how it's described. It's a nourishing energy. It's um, it's very uh, like it's heart, but it's also stomach kind of like it's this idea of being full. And I realized cancer Capricorn. I was like, ooh, I think what you're really doing there with those elements and with the earth and the water. Um, and I even thought of like the keyword might be like water pressure. <laughs> um, like this shower's falling over my head. I'm going, oh, water pressure, <laughs> like the shower. Um, but, you know, what I think it is, is it's like, it's nourishing effort. It's nurturing effort. And it's not trying to be less effortful or like not to work. But it's that knight of swords feeling where in your, when you're in a work that really nourishes you and nurtures you and maybe nurtures others, which is what my, my you know, focus is now. When those two things come together, it actually amplifies both. I don't think it. I don't think it's like to come together that each has a lesson. I think it's actually the opposite. I think that both sides amp up. That to come together, you have to really call in that support and call in that effort. But it doesn't feel effortful in a shitty way to me. Um, even though it's on my DC, because I'm starting to claim it, but I'm starting to understand that effort for me has to be a nurturing effort, has to be a nourishing effort. I have to set my own schedule. I have to put space in my day. I have to take pauses. I have to breathe. Everyone wants to take a deep breath. <sighs> Always a good idea. Um, I have to drink water. You got a liquid nearby. Take a sip. There we go. All right, 30 seconds right in the middle of a chatty, chatty podcast. We took a moment to check in with ourselves. So I have to do that, and I love it. So if, if, if folks, um, you know, don't relate to an element or, like, feel another thing they could do is look at their astrology chart, which easiest way most people say to pull it up is astro.com, um, and you can find instructions. Just Google, like, how to pull up an astro.com chart if you can't find it on the site. But if you pull up your chart and if you have your birth time, um, you do need your birth time for this one, but if you have your birth time, Take a look at what the sign is opposite, and do does that, is that the energy you have trouble claiming? <laughs> and if so, one way you might reclaim it or think about it is like, how would you combine those two sides? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because it's so like I'm so grateful to you for like starting to get me to think about earth and water in a new way. And I think it's just like it keeps up leveling where I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Like that's the duality in me is like, is this earth and this water and this like structure and this flow. And I think that's, um, yeah, I, I like that. That's so cool. It made me think a little bit about the three of swords and mm, okay. the idea of, because we talked about like earth being a container for water, but it also made me think back to when you were talking about the three of swords, where it feels like mm -hmm. air helps move water like sometimes mm. if you're too like stagnant it makes me oh, think yeah. of like Scorpio like we can be so fixed in the water and sometimes mm -hmm. we need like a current to like move us along or like this wind mm -hmm. to kind of like push us to move that stagnant huh. water out um which yeah. I feel like can be like even the Knight of Cups or the Knight of, um, yeah, I guess it would be Knight of Cups, right? The moving uh -huh. that energy into like whether it's us looking yeah. at our emotions with a different perspective or becoming aware. I love the mm -hmm. idea of like thinking about things 
yeah. as a mirror. No, I, like, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think Knight of Cups is absolutely right for that because Knight of Cups is, is yeah, it is air and water, and it's, it's the Knight of Cups like feels all their feelings. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that's 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 part of like the duel. You know, I've learned that like dueling work. Um, and when I say dueling, I'm not talking about you know birth or, or death or like specific kinds of dueling, but just like dueling in the future, which is how I see myself. Like that that work requires like you have to be in, in it. You can't like turn off your emotions and just focus on a client, for example. Um, so I love the Knight of Cups. I also Scorpio. Okay, that's interesting. What what's your is it Scorpio Sun or what's your Scorpio? So I'm a Scorpio rising, and then I have Taurus okay. on my descendant. So I started thinking about that ah. as you were talking. Which is oh, interesting. So I, I love that. Okay, this is how reflection works, right? I love the mirror because yeah. I have I have South Node in Scorpio and North Node in Taurus. And if um and, Oh, and you're having your the, nodal return. I'm having my nodal return. Wow, yeah. What's so that I, like? I, yeah, I forgot to mention it, but actually that when I mentioned the eclipses, it was also right when the nodes were about to go into Taurus. <laughs> so it was like, oh, everything just like opened up and went boom it was like all this like stagnancy so exactly what you're saying actually this whole 2021 like the summer and fall was absolutely stagnant water it was it was sleeping all day it was it was depression it was it was feeling sorry for myself right and and yeah i think the the like um even though it's earth the the nodal return um oh but it was also wait was it gemini or sad what was december it was one of those i can't remember oh well we had our last uh, one in gemini our last eclipse. It was it was Gemini. Okay, yeah. So that was there. Um, so the December actually, it was like you had the Taurus eclipse, which I think for me was like a preview to the to the nodal return, and then you had the the Gemini, the air energy coming through, and it was absolutely like that. It was like my my water just got like you know a nice big breeze through it. Um, which admittedly, as somebody from the south, when I when I hear um, when I hear water and air, I'm like, oh god, a hurricane. But uh, <laughs> that's not not the only not the only version. Um, but yeah, I love that you say that too, because um, yeah, I do think the nodal return is absolutely for me about coming into my purpose and like recognizing. Um, it's also eleventh house, so like community and and being in community is like you know something I'm so like into helping others with and doing myself. Also, Chiron there, so wounded healer and community, a lot of stuff. Um, but the thing that I thought of when you said that was how Scorpio. Um, so I have. Pluto. I'm, I'm in the Pluto and Scorpio, just barely. I, it's like four degrees Pluto. Um, but I'm in the Pluto uh, Scorpio generation. And I have a square between my Pluto, like a really exact square, and my Jupiter and Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And I also had a Jupiter return. Yeah, I, hear, I was going to ask 36. you about that. <laughs> I hear all these returns. Yeah. So I had a Jupiter return two weeks after the great conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn. Wow. Um, at the beginning of 2021. And so Saturn was very much there. And also, Taurus is a Saturn ruled sign if you go by traditional astrology. So it, it was, you know, I wanted it to be like January. It was like right at the time where I decided my leave date for my job. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this big thing. I'm going to burst out. It's going to be Jupiter. It's going to expand. I'm going to, you know, like people are going to find me. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, and then Saturn came along and said, <laughs> nice try. Um, but I do think, so my, my Jupiter turn is slower, I think, because of Saturn. Like, it, it's not an immediate manifesting thing. Um, but I think the whole year was that experience of the Jupiter return. And having Jupiter return squaring my Pluto in Scorpio, I think it was like, you've got all this 
stagnant sort of trauma energy, underlying shadow energy. I mean, Pluto and Scorpio is like, it's in domicile. Pluto rules Scorpio in the modern system. Um, it, it's very powerful. Like a Pluto and Scorpio is like, I'm a real Pluto, Pluto. Um, and, and with my lunar energy, like there's just so much in my chart. It's like, yep, you've got some really deep watery stuff. And then with the South Node, it's what you're kind of accustomed to or like your, your starting point for your soul path or your comfortable place. So it's like, I can lurk and murk and sit in depression all day long, but the square with the, the Jupiter, I think kind of kicked it in the butt. And it took a while for the kick in the butt to happen, but I think it was exactly what you just described. It was like air coming through. I think maybe that Gemini eclipse was like, even though it was Gemini, like that trining, you know, uh, energy, like was the thing that needed to push it through. And so the Jupiter did its thing, but it took it a hot minute. <laughs> so if anybody has their Jupiter return with Saturn nearby, just be aware it might be a little slow. So how do you feel with Jupiter going into your 10th house in Pisces with everything that you're doing? Yeah, no, it does feel, it, it's funny, it feels, it feels beautiful and faded, and I both trust it and have no expectations, because having expectations based on astrology, I have found, is a very bad plan, and I've even, like, the, the astrology I practice that I incorporate into my work is not very, like, tracking transits, even though I, I do for myself a little bit. It's, it's not really predictive. It's not really about the future. It's more about learning from the past transits and then like getting really deep and embodied in your natal chart. And the reason that I resonate with that or that that works for me is because, um, uh, oh no, ADHD. What was the question I'm answering? I'm so sorry. Say that one more time. <laughs> it felt like you <laughs> were going back. with like, we can get too caught up with like thinking about the future. Oh, right. And you were saying, yeah, the thing that I forgot was, was 10th house. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, we can, we can, we can get really caught up with that and, um, and, and it can be a really anxious energy. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying not to do because it does feel very linear is I'm trying not to say my, my Jupiter passing over my mid heaven and into the 10th is going to be the moment that everything expands and it's going to look like this. Because I tried that with my Jupiter return, it didn't work so well. And, <laughs> you know, I don't want to assume that it's like, quote unquote, business success. Because I want to be really open and curious about what that looks like. Like, what does expansion look like in the career house for me? Maybe it's not 7,000 people find me on Instagram. Um, maybe it's not, you know, my newsletter grows X amount. Maybe it's not even that a bunch of people come to this offering, although I hope they do. Maybe it's something I haven't even anticipated. Maybe it's finding, I'm just, like, I'm dreaming in this, this signature program idea, and I'm more and more, I keep coming back to the number 12, and I feel like it's, I need to find the 12 people to do, to do this thing. I don't know what the thing is yet. You can't find out about it because I don't know what it is. But um, once it exists, like I keep thinking about this group of 12 people, and I'm like, that, that's a different kind of Jupiter. That's still an expansion, but it doesn't look like nine million things or nine million dollars or nine million whatever. Um, and I've been reading this book called Sacred Economics, and it's a dense read, but I would recommend it highly. Um, it synthesizes a lot of other ideas from like Black Cooperative Economics and um, like Native uh, various Native traditions and like all different places, um, but. It really helped me. One of the big shifts I had in 2021 that, that, that got me out, the eclipse thing, 
um, was realizing that part of trust for me is not like trying to plan, like being operating out of fear that I won't meet my needs. That was the shift that happened to me at the end of the year where it was like, I'm not making any more money like physically, but I have this belief that's grounded in reality that I've seen happen um, is that if I am open to the universe providing for me and meeting my needs in some way, then that's great. So if the answer is my business expands a lot and I, you know, uh, am able to meet my needs and have access money that I can uh, give to people and can be really generous with great. Awesome. That's what I want. Right. Um, but if the answer is my needs are met through a generous gift of some kind or being, you know, like some non-monetary version or something, something other than what I in this linear fashion see as the way that needs are met. Um, then that's also beautiful. So like I have a, for example, like my newsletter model is um, I totally killed like uh, exclusive Patreon perks. And I have Patreon is this optional thing where my newsletter is kind of a free paid model where you don't get anything. Um, and let, there, there is one tier where you get something at a $20 a month level because I wanted to do kind of like a little quarterly video for those folks on this kind of personal. But for everyone else, um, and generally across the board, all the content is free. So I'm like putting out tons of like really rich, deep content. So if you're enjoying this conversation, definitely like the newsletters there um, on my website, queernatical.com. But um, I'm putting out all this information. But I'm, I'm trusting that like I don't have to think about like literally like this writing makes this dollar. Instead, I'm thinking about how do I how do I create flow with meeting needs and meeting other needs? And it's put me in a totally different attitude towards giving, where like I was pretty financially generous before, but now I've just become freaking impulsive about it. Like if somebody has a need and I feel called to help with that need, even though I'm aware that my savings are dwindling, I do not care. I'm going to put that out there because I trust and believe that back to water and containers, that water always finds the emptiest place. Mm, so that water reminds me of like the eclipses, like the, the Taurus, um, mm-hmm. Scorpio. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so cool. I think it's part of it. I think it's part of it. Is it Taurus? And part of my neural return, I think it's like a different attitude towards material resources, but also it's about about filling yourself up and it's about abundance and i don't want to say scorpio is scarcity i sorry scorpio right it's not it's not <laughs> scarcity exactly um that's not correct but sometimes the extreme of scorpio can look like a scarcity mentality or can look like a getting kind of stuck in like a deprivation or a victim mentality um i mean spoken pisces and like again not always but but that could be a, an unhealthy or an extreme iteration of it and so i think you have to pull in like giving and receiving need to need to meet each other and then again both go up and so that's what like sacred economics is like you you know the more things are flowing in our community the more we're giving the more receiving the more we get to practice giving and receiving um in a really like authentic way then the more we generate as a community because when i see myself as separate when I see myself as separate from earth and separate from you and separate from nature, and I see myself as trying to control or dominate nature, the very white supremacist capitalist thing. If I see myself that way, I'm always scared. I'm always, I'm always scared because if you meet your need, it means I don't meet mine because I believe there's a limited pool and that we're two separate people. 
But as I believe that you and I and your listeners and everyone are part of a community, and I believe the health of the individual is not individual. My health is actually my community's health. You know, um, a, a tree's health is the health of the ecosystem to get earthy and tourists, then I'm going to be really inspired to give and to like figure out who is in the most need and to let that water flow to the emptiest cup because I can trust that it's going to come back around. If my cup becomes empty, it's great. I can, I can receive like from that place. Um, so I think that's a really like a, a new paradigm that I hope we all start to move into and something that I'm really curious about and, and engaging with in my work as well. Ah, that's beautiful. Can we end with your favorite swords card and a little bit about it? Ooh, okay. Favorite swords card. Um, I like it. And let me just think for a moment. Um, Okay. I'm like literally going through each one. Like taking a favorite child. Um, no, it's not really. Um, so I think if you had asked this in our last conversation, I would have said like the two of the queens because I'm really into boundaries. And I am still really into boundaries, but I think I'm going to go somewhere very unexpected, uh, I'm sure. And that is because when I think of favorite, I'm, I'm going to interpret that as greatest teacher or like thing I've learned a lot from and uh, some like, yeah, just powerful. And it's the five. Um, and it's like the five is your favorite swords card. Like if you're familiar with the five, you might be like, <laughs> uh, what? Um, but here's why, because um, the five, it portrays this clear situation of harm. And there's a perpetrator, and there's, I think, in the right uh, way, I think there's a couple of victims. But there's this, this sense of, like, do not care, walking away perpetrator who got away with something. And for the longest time, I would pull that card, and I would, you know, back to the self-facing, I would see myself as a perpetrator, and I would think that the card was a signal. It said that I was doing something wrong, that I had um, caused harm, that I had effed up, and it would put me in a lot of shame. And a lot of desire to repair, but at the same time, a lot of shame. And I don't think that shame is productive. Um, I'm sure people listen to Brene Brown. I know this. Shame not necessarily the most productive. Um, and the reason I, I pick it as my favorite is that um, it's not just that I love a challenge, uh, but it really is that I reframed it. And again, I'm going to credit Lindsay Mack because um, I think her the way she's been teaching has changed a little bit. And more recently, um, she said something about it that made me go, oh, um, that sometimes when you pull that five, what it's actually saying is that your brain wants to put you in the perpetrator state. And that's not necessarily accurate. And it's not that you're totally free of causing harm. It's not that you might not be culpable in some way or involved in some way. But I do think it's a reminder that our brains want to make things good and bad and right and wrong. And one of the greatest lessons to me recently that I am, I am very much feeling into is that I don't believe in the idea of virtue. And I don't believe that it's useful to judge myself or anyone else in terms of virtue to say you're good, you're bad, you're right, you're wrong. I don't think that binary, like how could I teach about liminality and uncertainty and non-binary experience and neuro 
divergence, neuro, it's what I sometimes call neuroqueer, neuromagical experience. Like, how could I do any of that if I'm beating myself up for being, quote unquote, the perpetrator? So I think that card, it helps me to notice where I'm swinging to an extreme and it calls me back in to a place of presence and it calls me back to being in community and actually having the courage, again, that word, the courage to stay, to sit, to listen, to share my own experiences, my own fears, my own emotions, um, and to see if we can meet a place of, if not common ground, resonance and respect and acceptance of each other as having a, a embodied human experience. So that's why the five of swords is my favorite tarot card. That's the quote. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That reminds me of like kind of like being triggered to have a rebalance or being called mm -hmm. to rebalance. I got, mm -hmm. I was asking if like, I, I didn't ask like outright, but I went to my deck with the feeling of like, am I doing something right or wrong? Mm -hmm. And I got the justice card reversed and I pulled it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and I pulled it with the Oracle card reality. And Ooh. and it kind of made me feel like I kind of like immediately went into the shame idea of like, oh, no, mm -hmm. I must be like doing something wrong. But I think mm -hmm. there is this idea that like there is no right and wrong. And it might just be like we need a different perspective or we need a rebalancing. And this. Yeah. And like an active active balancing like if you had it told me that like i pulled justice reverse in that scenario of being like did i do right did i do wrong or something i would be like "Ooh, yes because libra and justice to me are um they're not like a destination to reach they're not like a, a single truth or final thing they're about how the truth like i said it's evolving and it's also i like the the, the words active balancing because if you think of um, like a, what do you call those, seesaw or something, right? It, it doesn't sit there. You, you have to like actively tweak. You have to actively balance. And so if, if you're asking the deck a question like that, if I were reading for you, um, if you were a client and, and you got that, I think what I would say is like, yeah, that it's, that it's reminding you to like seek, seek um, that rebalancing, but also to... Reality is like the most perfect oracle card with any justice pull because it really is about that. It's it's not it's that justice and truth and um, that you have to keep your eyes open and 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 notice where things are out of balance um, before you can pull them in. And you have to um, sit in the discomfort in the in the hang, which is the next card. Right, you have to sit in the discomfort. I like the the slow hauler calls it suspension. Um, you have to sit in suspension. Um, for a little bit before you can really act. You should go through clearing of death. Like you have to go through a lot before you get to another active card. And um, I, I think that's so beautiful. It's not about passivity, but it is about active balance. And I think that card, I think pulling that card is very much reminding you that, sorry, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. <laughs> Just reality. I know it's so good. It's so interesting. So <laughs> I know. It's, it's fascinating. Hey, can I, can I, one last thing. Can I pull a card? 
Oh my God! Yes, please. Just, just for for your for the collectors, your audience yes. ever needs to hear it. Okay, I'm gonna grab a deck. Oh, let me reach over on my deck. Oh, tell us which um, deck you grab too. We um well, this is the one that I just happen to have at hand. There's no real reason, but it mm-hmm. is the Cosmic Cycle Tarot. Um, Cosmic Cycle. So it's a modern modern deck. Oh, okay. All right, I'm gonna call that the pull. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't intentional, but hilariously, um cards fell over and what's on top is the page of swords oh the one that i started to talk about and didn't yeah. so I, you know what this is so perfect for what we're talking about because if you resonate with this stuff if you're, if you're curious about it if you want to learn i mean what i can just make it a plug hey come be a student come to my thing but um but but beyond that i would say that the page of swords is inviting you if you if something in this resonated or sparked you like you feel a little bit um and you want to take uh an action and that might be sharing a truth with somebody that might be um talking to a friend that might be um like feeling into actually trying out that justice idea trying a little rebalancing um the the image is literally in this deck a uh, a figure skater and they're really young and i think about they're balancing on these blades and i don't know if you ever figure skated but i had a friend who was a figure skater as a child and they fall over a lot and it is the like they are so sad when they're all right? <laughs> but you know, I think I think um, for listeners that like just accept that you're going to fall over a lot. <laughs> you're going to fall over again and again and again because the blade is really thin um, on those ice skates. But uh, the, the blade of the sword, as it were, is very thin. But um, but that is the work. Like that is the the process is more important than the result. And so if you can't feel, if you don't feel like the king, if you don't feel like you're sharing all your truth and you're really confident, then you are at a beautiful place. And the king is not better than the page. None of it's linear. Terror is not linear. So just, just know that, like, like keep, keep stumbling, get back on your ice skates, rebalance a little, learn where that edge is, learn how to, how to stay on the, on the edge um, as you're skating. And you may, you're never going to get it perfect. People in the Olympics, um, uh, figure skaters fall in the Olympics all the time. Uh, but you're 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 continuing to push your your edge, and so in the Olympics they're not doing a single axle, right? They're doing a quad or something. Um, keep keep pushing your edge and find that edge. And if you ever feel like you're you're not on the edge and you're not being pushed or challenged, then like get curious about that and and look for some edge. And that might be um, learning to identify with a suit that doesn't feel like yours. That could be any number of things in life. Um, but just yeah, looking seeking out that edge, I think, can be really powerful medicine. Oh, that was beautiful. And I love the idea that the process is more important than the result, especially when talking yeah. about the swords. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good, that's a good point, right? It looks, it looks dire, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's actually about the, the, the healing and spiritual work are not separate from your day-to-day life and that they show up the most in your challenges and your, in your troubles and your emotions. And so integrating your practice into your life is, is the best advice I, I've ever had to give. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so tell everyone where they can find you. Just list it all yes. out. I'll list it all out. So again, my website is queermagical.com. Um, you can find there under work with me. It's, it's a, it goes to a link tree with all the different links. Um, but I'm Queer Magical on Twitter, on Instagram, um, YouTube. It's just Avery Fawcett. But again, you can find it from that uh, list of links. And I would encourage folks um, to either, um, 
if you're interested, I'd love if you signed up for Heart Centered Swords. You'll find that button right on the homepage. Um, and then even if you're not interested uh, in that specific offering, if you just found this interesting, um, I have a newsletter. It comes out anywhere from one to four times a month, depending on what list you opt into. So let's say you're not a tarot or astrology person. One of the lists is, is what I call field notes and it's stories and just like chatting like this, um, where I'd like write a, a long form essay. So like, if you like long form content, I also have a tarot astrology um, list in there. I have a community connections list. Maybe I'll interview you sometime for that. Um, and, and so you can opt in and opt out of specific lists. I try to make it as customizable as possible. And again, I am so happy for you to, to take advantage of any of the work I provide freely. You, you do not have to pay for it. Um, if you uh, if you find value from it, if you're moved to do so, um, if you have the capacity, um, then you'll, you'll see the link at the bottom of every newsletter where you can contribute. But I want you to feel really great in your heart to to receive this, um, even if you're you're not able to directly um, get back in that way. And um, you can also share it with somebody. In a lot of ways, sharing is, is even bigger because I, I have a very small audience, and so I'm looking to grow it. So yeah, if you if you found this podcast. Um, to be uh, interesting, I'll share it with a friend that'll help both me and Anna. And um, yeah, I hope to I hope to connect with folks. I really do. Um, that is genuine and from the heart. So, thank you so much, Avery. That was so fun to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. So much fun chatting with Avery. The links to all of their offerings are going to be in the show notes. So definitely check them out. Check them out on Insta. Follow them there. Queer Magical. And follow me on Insta. Blind Love Radio. And rate and review this podcast if you liked it. All right, smooches. Until next time. Mwah.